you're listening to Strengthen Bonds, an Async Twilight Imperium podcast. Episode 15, PBD 2000, is a ton of fun. I'm your host, BLT. Another episode 15 seems like sort of a big number, 15 weeks of doing this. Um, so I really appreciate everybody. I've been getting some some more feedback than normal, I feel like, just people reaching out and letting me know that they like the show. I really appreciate that. I don't pretend that this is uh, super well productionized or super well prepared for or anything like that, but uh, I will keep doing it if people like it. That's going to be pretty much the primary motivation um, as long as I feel like I still have something to say or, or, or someone interesting to bring on. So this will be another solo episode just because have not had the real life time to, to interview anybody again. But I've got some people who are willing, so we will get them in soon, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, quick aside, did win, finally, uh, my fourth qualifier attempt in the Space Cats Peace Tournament tournament. Peace Turtles tournament, and uh, I was a Sarl. I think I was second picked. Naz went first. A Sarl was my was pick for me, um, and then I ended up with Tarman Bragg, which is a very resource heavy slice. I've actually uh, a couple other attempts in it, especially including async practice games. It's like too little influence. I actually was a little scared of it, but I was hoping that with the Asarl's home system having five influence, it would kind of work out. And then there were tons of spendies. I think it ended up uh, making a big difference, but really what made the difference. And the only reason I, I ultimately won, well, step one was Necro uh, took the equidistant like round two and then offered a support swap. And I didn't really want to support swap, but uh, kept them from destroying me and eating me all game because I had like no plastic. And then... Um, round four agenda phase heading into round five I had just Mageond um, the points leader Barony twice to get both Imperial Rider and Confounding Legal Text and so I knew that only one Sabo was left the other three were in the discard and so I went ahead and put um, a Diplomacy Rider a Politics Rider and an Imperial Rider all on myself to win the agenda and then uh played Confounding Legal Text to win, and that basically made it impossible to win. So there you go, classic Asaro win. Just played the right action cards at the right time. Um, but glad to glad to be on to the prelims. I'm going to have to schedule that now. Um, other quick thing that I wasn't sure where to put into a segment, and this is a little bit old now at this point, but um, Susan wrote this thing about mutiny, the, the agenda, and I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, but mutiny is the one where if you, if, if four is passed, everyone who voted for gains a point. And if against is passed, everyone who voted for loses a point. And as a new player to this game, whenever I see mutiny, I'm like, yay, we all get a point. And it's just been something very fun. Um, or maybe if I'm in person, I'm like, oh good, I'll get to go home a little bit earlier or something like that. So I've, I've always been very pro for mutiny, but Susan wrote this and I found it extremely compelling. So I'll just read this verbatim. Steps on soapbox. Players, friends, mutiny is a destabilizing accelerationist agenda. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. To take a 10 victory point game and all of a sudden make it a 9 victory point game removes the struggle of the final point. 
it means that someone, some player, will have a sneak path round four to score a few victory points more than everyone else and end the game unceremoniously. It will be a wet fart of a conclusion, not a well-played tactical masterstroke. Chopping a VP off the end of the game means the rich will get richer. Make no mistake, there is no catching up in a short game. It will just end. It will just bluntly finish, and our response won't be, wow, that was epic. It will be, wait, what just happened? Because we won't know. There's a lucky player right now, one of the ones on three VP. So this is early in the game, I love that. They are looking at their secrets, they're looking at the board, looking at their speaker position, and they are realizing they can score six victory points over the next two turns. Because six is not hard. It is three secrets and three publics, or two and a guac point. The player who picks politics this round and imperial next probably wins the game, unless the one who picks imperial this round does it slightly faster. Voting yes turns this into a two-player game. Are you one of those players? If not, vote no. So yeah, this really resonated with me. I, I had a streak there. It's been a little bit now, um, but I had a streak there where a number of my games were ending in round four. And it was always extremely frustrating because I had set up reasonably well for round five. And then the game just ended. And um, that was sometimes because someone got an extra guac and I like didn't notice it. Um, sometimes it was just because this person was across the table and I just couldn't do anything about it. Um, but sometimes it was something like a mutiny. And so, yeah, unless you're the person who's just like streaking ahead and loving this, um, yeah, I may not be uh, excited to vote for mutiny anymore. So thank you, Susan. Really quick, Susan's also the, the writer of the, uh, the famous guide, Being a Pleasant Habitual Murderer. A Twilight Imperium Guide to Eliminating Players, and I will share his. I'll share a link to that in the show notes for you. All right, next, I want to get right into the best thing I saw this week. So, uh, although I usually save this for the various updates at the end, Peabody 2000 by Baldrick is the best thing I saw this week. Uh, I am really glad that Sunshine, Sunshine Punch is running our team because I'm uh, kind of out of it a little bit, but I am just loving what's happening. Again, so this is the one where there's five games going on at a time. Five of the factions in each galaxy or each team, uh, or sorry, each game are regular, so you get all 25 factions from uh, Twilight Imperium. But then each galaxy has a sixth player, which is a custom faction that Baldrick's put together. And we're slowly getting to see what some of these extra factions look like. We still don't know, like, what other special victory conditions are or like what their ultimate goals are, but we do have a sense of like what some of them are like. And so I'm not going to show them all right now, but I'm on the syndicate and we have a, a promissory note and it just basically says gain a trade good at the start of the syndicate's turn. <laughs> so every time we take a turn, somebody's getting a trade good somewhere. And uh, we were just using that to buy way more stuff than we should be able to afford. Um, and that's been awesome. Um, another favorite that I've seen so far is the Terminator. They... Uh, this is run by Not Jacob, and, and and Not Jacob has not spoken the entire game. Uh, they have zero co co uh, commodities. Uh, they seem scary. They're not talking. I just, it's so good. And so what happened, um, I actually don't know if this battle is like completely over yet, but Sar tried to attack with like a pretty big force. They're like trying to eliminate this uh, Terminator. And uh, did not know the Terminator starts with geranium armor. Um, they also have an ability that every single mm -hmm. combat round in space, they just cancel a hit. Um, so I, I, I think it's actually maybe still going, but like, it's not clear that Sar is going to win this battle. <laughs> they definitely normally showed up with what they brought in. So this is I mean, that's just hilarious to me. Um, and then there's another one, uh, the Echoes. And best I can tell, they're basically just like a Franken faction. They can just like take the best component from other people at their galaxy. There may be more to it, but... Uh, they've already gone to Mechatol Rex, and because they're one of these special factions, they don't score that point. They're just kind of there, blocking other people from scoring it. And also, the agenda phase won't start <laughs> uh, by them going on Rex. And so, uh, you know, 
their galaxy may just maybe never have an agenda phase. Um, anyway, I'm just I'm having a really good time seeing all the crazy stuff that's happening. People are really leaning into like the the memes and the uh, just community aspect of it. And so, you know, Baldrick, well done. I'm gonna keep following this, but having a lot of fun with PVD 2000. All right, I don't know what to call this. Um, I want to include it. I'm gonna call it anecdote of the week. Uh, maybe I'll call it something else at some point, but right now I just uh, saw this very short thing, PBD 2024, Iron Mandalorians playing Argent. They use their hero. So first of all, anytime you can use the Argent hero well, or even plan to use it well, I'm excited. So that's kind of why this is in here. So use their hero, moved a bunch of stuff, and then they're planning to use Dominus Orb to go take a couple of planets so they could score rural distant lands. And then that would have given them the win. But they did need a flank speed because of just the way that the the maps shaped up so play a flank speed get a sabotage they play a second flank at speed and also get sabotaged <laughs> and so uh, all that planning all that brilliant uh preparation to actually use the argent hero for something uh was failed yet again um one minor thing kind of interesting with that is that dominus orb window is after the flank speed window so they did at least get to keep dominus orb i don't know if it did them any good but um thank you iron mandalorian and uh better luck next time playing argent all right, weird game mode of the week is Bunker Draft and Wecker Draft. So these, uh, I, I don't see a ton, partly because they're just not really set up anywhere uh, that's accessible to async. You can get them in Tabletop Playground at least, and I'm going to put a link to um, a picture of Wecker Draft at least. So I just want to, again, it's, it's basically a multi-draft. It's not that different conceptually, and so it's maybe not like fully a weird game mode because the game itself is like, the same or just whatever you want to do but um bunker draft is you just slide all the starting home systems over one and so if you can imagine like instead of being surrounded by three tiles because you're in the corner you're now surrounded by four um usually with bunker draft as well the tile next to mechatol rex um i've seen versions where that one is drafted as part of your slice i've also seen versions where that one is like already on there and so you're picking your position like with speaker order but you're also picking a position that like kind of sets you up around you know for which of those um, ring one tiles you kind of want nearest to your home so that's kind of cool wecker draft on the other hand it's really hard to describe i'll try um, again i'm going to link a, a picture of this in the show notes but you it look again it looks like a multi-draft but instead of drafting you know three tiles in front of you one on the way to rex and then I'll, I'll, you know the left equidistant you are drafting the middle and right tiles in front of you the left tile to your right neighbor right so so two tiles away from you on the right your left equidistant and then the ring one tile for the person two to the left of you <laughs> it's really hard to describe but you're basically drafting like a giant u of tiles most of which are not that close to you um so i think the idea there is just like how are you going to say like, I drafted that, that's part of my slice when like you literally drafted this thing that's, you know, right in front of someone else. I think it just messes it up. I know at least one TIGL game used this method, so, um, you know, it's fine. But uh, I've been wanting to use this. And again, I think just the fact that it is not available like in the async multi tool is, is what's keeping it from, from actually happening. But um, anyway, so those are the weird games most of the week. Part of the reason that I am uh, haven't brought in or talked about some of the other ones that are big is because I'm kind of waiting for the person to come on the show and talk about it. 
Um, so really looking forward to that, but that's what the delay is on some of these. Okay, I got some good reactions to sharing some random stats last week. This next thing I want to share is not strictly stats from the async server. I do want to keep coming back to that, but this is um, stats thing of the week. Sigma did a survey uh, across a number of different servers, probably not including the async server. So again, sorry for the branching out a little bit here, but he had 52 people complete a survey where they were uh, asked to compare relics pairwise. Uh, which one would you prefer? And it, you know, there was no direction given on like, you know, if you draw this round one, if you draw this round five. And so, you know, you just had to either infer that or just decide like which you liked better regardless of when you draw it. And so you got 52 responses. And I wanted to share some of the findings here. I'm going to share a link in the show notes to where he uh, shared the full report. It is formatted in latex. It looks awesome. It brings me back to my college days. Um, but here, I was just going to read them in order. I'll just start with that. So top to bottom, asked 52 people, uh, best relics in the game, starting at the top, the Obsidian. Shard of the Throne, the Codex, Crown of Infidia, Dominus Orb, Maw of Worlds, uh, I guess number seven, JRXS4550, number eight, Dynamis Core, nine, Scepter of MLPAR, ten, uh, really quick on that, we've got it showing up in the async bot as Scepter of Silly Spelling, and it just makes me so, so happy. Um, then ten, Nanoforge, Prophet's Tears, twelve, Seller Converter, and of course, number 13, the Crown of Thalnos. So he's got a whole, you know, giant comparison. There's actually a few random examples where, like, sometimes things were rated above one pairwise, and but lower, like, in aggregate. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the Obsidian was unanimously the best one. Crown of Thalnos was unanimously the worst one. And if he's got even, you know, like, why do you like relics being better than another? And there's a lot going on here, but the, the, the short version is, is points, um, which is why Obsidian and Shard are, are one and two. Um, I think people think the Codex can get you points. The Crown of Amphidia can, you know, at least possibly get you a tomb point. I think that's why those four are at the top. That seemed to be the, the consensus across uh, most people answering that. Which relic do you think is best and why? Most people were saying, you know, the obsidian gets you a point or can get you a point. It, you can't lose it like shard. Um, you know, Codex was the number three, and, and there's a lot of pros for, for that, winning you the game, getting the, the right action cards you need at the end of the game. I just think this is really cool that that uh, Sigma did this. And, oh, yeah, which relic do you think is the worst? Thanos, because you don't remember it. <laughs> you don't remember that it exists. Um yeah. Oh, really quick too. How much is a relic fragment worth? Um, it seems like it kind of averages around two, but like it definitely, sh there's definitely not everybody agreeing on that. Um, some people, th some people say three, some people say one. Um, some people say it depends on which color it is. So that's kind of all interesting. Um, anyway, I really encourage you to skim through this whole analysis. Uh, Sigma even added on like a you know, a whole commentary at the end where it's like, you want the obsidian because it's, it's, it's a, it's a relic or it's a, it's a point basically start of the throne though. You don't want to draw it too early. You want to draw it late, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, very, very cool there. Thanks Sigma for doing that, for sharing that, typing that up. Uh, I love this kind of stuff and it seems like at least sometimes other people too do too. So I will, 
uh, keep trying to share stat things of the week. All right, what's next? Let's do tech of the week next. I finally did a blue tech last week. Gravity drive. Tech where if I don't research it, I keep thinking I do. I know I've at least made... I was in a game right now, actually, where I made a whole round five plan thinking that I had carrier two, and then I just didn't, and that wasn't fun. Okay, Fleet Logistics is a blue tech uh, with two blue prerequisites, and it says, during each of your turns of the action phase, you may perform two actions instead of one. So I uh, this one fits into my bucket of like, uh, predictive intelligence where it, like a lot of times I don't ever want this. Um, I'm usually trying to stall things out. I'm trying to make all my actions take as kind of as long as possible. And so doing two actions in, instead of one during my turn, you know, reduces the number of stalls I have. Um, however, there are obviously times when fleet logistics will win you the game. I mean, I, if I have fleet logistics and Imperial, uh, that just that won me a game a week or two ago, <laughs> right? You can go take those planets for the control objective and then immediately pop Imperial and no one can do anything about it except play coup d'etat or something. So that's very good. I'll hear other arguments for it where um, you can move all of your stuff off of your space dock, go do this attack and then rebuild before someone can go take those planets. Love that. Great idea. Um, there's a whole guide this week that I have not listened to from the Space Cats folks on SAR that talk about a number of different ways you can use fleet logistics as them. Totally, totally get it. It's, it's, it's a tech that I don't research very often unless I'm feeling rich, basically, because again, it will help you to win the game if things are set up correctly. I'm never going to be sad just to have it. I'm always happy when people around me don't have it. Um, but, but it's, it's often hard to justify because you know, I'm going to almost always want to get lightweight first. And then this isn't a prerequisite for anything. And usually I would maybe need another unit upgrade because I'm hedging for three unit upgrade uh, two-pointer. So anyway, I, it, it's, it is very, uh, very useful. It's a game-winning tech. I don't want to undersell it. I'm just saying I usually find myself not feeling like I have the spare tech tempo to, to grab it. Um, quick thing, since this just came up this morning and game I was in. Um, I did absolutely get wrecked by fleet logistics uh, once when I had shard. I was thinking I could defend my home first action uh, in round five. Instead, the Nalu player had fleet logistics. They used their agent to move part of the way there. Fleet, logistic, uh, fleet logistics into a second action took my home before I could do anything about it. Uh, and for that reason alone, again, it just it opens up a lot of window uh, possibilities to you. So again, highly recommend because it's blue. Uh, but just weird because it's like sort of not that useful to me most of the time until it's like amazing. Oh, just in quick, since I'm in the tech of the week section, I wasn't sure where to put this either, but, um, Aliquis, 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 I should probably have checked how to pronounce that, but, um, shared this about the Nomad faction tech, which is, um, temporal command suite which lets you ready an agent as soon as it's exhausted, basically in any phase. And so uh, he shared that he was in the agenda phase with economic equality. So voting completed, the agenda resolves. He got his five trade goods. He put another five on Artuno, which is a nomad uh, agent. Use temporal command suite immediately to ready Artuno. Then, the right, then he put a trade rider on it. So that rider resolves, gets another five trade goods, put five more on Artuno. Um, and so, you know, 
temporal command suite basically plus artuno got uh what five ten anyway ended up with like 21 traded goods because of this um, and i guess you would have gotten 10 anyway so maybe it's it's but anyway i temporal command suite's another tech that's just like really really cool when it's cool and not always that cool otherwise all right weird rules thing of the week uh there was a small controversy in the uh space cats tournament about the sardak commander um Gomsekis, which allows sardak to commit ground troops from uh, adjacent systems or, or planets in that same system uh without having to use ships right so that you you know you can activate a planet not move any ships in and then just kind of bump your 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 ground forces over from adjacent planets very cool commander the question was whether you have to roll well the question in the tournament had to do with dominus orb uh but the question uh, this week was whether you have to roll for gravity rifts and dane apparently said you do which is the whole backstory about like you know gomsekas didn't used to trigger um ceasefires and stuff like that so anyway but so dane has ruled that yes uh, although I don't understand the thematic reasoning, you do have to roll for a gravity rift if you're moving your ground troop off of like Cormand or something uh, into this new system. So then uh, I think this Pally actually checked, you know, do you have to roll the rift for when you use the Argent or the L1 heroes or the Mahakt hero? And the ruling is yes, you are moving a ship out of that system, even though it's not like an, a, a classic movement you're using this hero ability uh you do have to roll for the rift so i think uh you know just don't put any ships in rifts uh, especially if you're playing any game with Aranus. i would not i would not do that all right let's go ahead and do the various updates and close out this one we'll get back to the tier list in a future episode yeah for async tournament two we have our first finalist so uh game five finished in just under a month and our first semifinalist is Cal, who won as Nalu. So big congratulations to you. I am terrified to see what the finalist slices will look like, but um, very, you know, congratulations. That's awesome to, to see. Um, already talked about PBD 2000 earlier on, but I will continue to give updates there. And then for async rank, we've got five new ministers and two new agents uh, since last time I did an episode. So as a reminder, the minister rank goes to anyone who wins a TIGL game and doesn't already have a rank. And then the agent rank is going to go to anyone who plays a TIGL game where at the start of the game, everyone was a minister rank or higher already. Um, so the new ministers since last episode are Domlin, Count Bleck 12, Friend and Doctor, Nenowick, and Joseph S19. And then we've got two new agents, which are Fist and Old Tom's Boots and Hat. Uh, I've... I believe I've lost to both of them and uh, looks like they're they're continuing on in their winning ways. So congratulations to everyone on their their new ranks. And then just a quick recent bot update, um, Absol's mod. She keeps uh, tinkering with it, which is awesome. She she play tests it, she takes feedback, she makes uh, edits and version, version three has been integrated into the bot now. So not to say it's been like fully automated that every single thing in there will uh, you know, have a, a, a slick button for it, but all the text, all the, the components are now updated to the the new stuff per Prisoner 1. So thank you, probably Prisoner 1, but uh, whoever helped out with the data entry and stuff for that. All right, this has been a fun episode. Tons going on in the community. Um, final little quick shout out. If you are in too many games, just, just slow down. Just, I don't know. Um, 
this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> it's not supposed to take over our lives. And just want to just, just love hanging out with everybody. And, and so when, uh, when we get burned out, then we, we can't have fun and hang out anymore. So I, um, feeling a little bit of that myself need to, need to not join any more new games until a few more finish up here. But, um, but yeah, I just, just wanted to kind of close out on that. But otherwise, thank you very much uh, for listening to Strength and Bonds. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and probably other places. If you liked this episode, let me know because uh, it makes me happy, I guess. I don't. <laughs> you can go to the episode discussion in Discord or the Sandwich Bar. You can chat about the show generally. If you've got ideas, if you've got things you want me to talk about, if you want things to get more um, coverage, you know, just, just tell me. I am... Uh, as, as people will notice by what I talked about today, if someone suggests, hey, you should put this on your show, I, I probably will. <laughs> so just um, feel free to, to send those ideas and remember to take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs>